Every Christian's responsibility is the same. Generally speaking, I am to what? Present my life to Christ. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. So are you. If you're a Christian, you and I are to have identical devotion to Him. We're His. But specifically, it will work itself out quite differently because there are no two Christians alike. We have been gifted differently. Even though they might have the same gift, there might be two people with the gift of service. They won't serve in identical ways. We are uniquely fit for our place, not only in this congregation, but in the body of Christ. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue on our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, One Body, Many Members. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. Take your Bible this morning and turn to Romans chapter 12, the 12th of Romans. Paul begins to flesh out in Romans 12 and following what our lives ought to look like. Uh, After giving 11 chapters of who we really are now in Christ, what God has done for us, that we've been declared righteous by His amazing grace, chapter 12 and really the rest of the balance of the book tells us what our response ought to be. And that is, of course, uh, the typical order of biblical revelation. And I say it's there for a reason. Christianity begins with understanding what He has done for you. And only then do we respond. Christianity is not us trying to earn favor with God or us trying to get right with God. Christianity is realizing what God has done in Jesus Christ at the cross. And then our response is to be, verse 1 and 2, given over to Him. I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, in light of what He's done for you, present your bodies. Put yourself at His disposal, a living and holy sacrifice. That's what He's looking for. He really is desiring us as Christians to be given over to Him. Now, verse 3 and following, uh, flesh this out. What does it look like? And the very first specific that Paul gave, we saw last time, was a warning regarding pride. If you want to state it negatively, or if you want to put it positively, a call to humility. Through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. The very first specific that the apostle calls for is sound judgment, or literally, and I wish they'd have translated it this way, sound thinking. He uses the term uh, for thinking or mindset or mind four times in verse 3. I say to you, through the grace given to me, not to think more highly than you ought to think, but to think so as to have sound thinking or literally saved thinking. He takes the term saved and he combines it with the term for mind or attitude or thinking. And he says, have saved thinking, Christian thinking. Now, the danger 
Notice, and this is still by way of review, but it's so important to see because he's introducing now all our other responsibilities. And particularly, he's going to introduce how we can serve Christ and how we can use our gifts for Jesus Christ. And the danger is not low-mindedness. It's high-mindedness. The danger is not a low opinion of ourselves. It's too high opinion of ourselves. We are so sinful that even given the 11 chapters that preceded, the first thing he has to tell us, even after he's shown us that God did it all, first thing he has to warn us about is not thinking too highly of ourselves, but thinking like saved people. Not having too high a self-esteem, but rather... Uh, thinking rightly. And uh, just to remind you, look down at verse 16 just to see the context here. He says, be of the same mind toward one another. Don't be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own understanding. Now, uh, I quote it almost like the Old Testament, huh? Proverbs he says, don't be wise in your own estimation. What's your estimate of yourself? Don't let it get too high. Now, this is so contrary to the world we live in. Our world tells us what? That pride is something to be exalted. We're looking for those who really think highly of themselves, who have a lot of pride, who take pride in their lives and in themselves. So our world says. And it's a good thing to have a high self-esteem. But God... And we need to hear this often because it's so contrary to the culture we live in. God honors and blesses the lowly and the one who forgets himself in devotion to God. And it leads, by the way, to healthy Christianity. Healthy, balanced lives are those that are not self-occupied and self-absorbed, but given over to God, put at his disposal in light of what he has done for us. You see, ever since sin entered the picture, we have by nature been self-centered, self-absorbed, selfish people. And uh, I know when I speak this way, I know when the Bible speaks this way, whenever this is really taught, there's someone who's thinking, wait a minute though, I know people, I've seen people with low self-esteem, and it's unhealthy, it's destructive. They need to have their esteem built up. And I say, no, no. Uh, the problem in our world today is just as the Bible diagnosed, it is not that people have too low an opinion of self. They are too self-occupied, too self-absorbed. And even destructive behavior, even self-destructive behavior, even the ultimate self-destructive behavior, suicide, is ultimately manifestation of the ultimate in selfishness. And God calls us, in contrast, to get our eyes off ourself and uh, on the Lord. And you know, when Paul calls for a saved mind here, let me just uh, encourage you to think of his own life as an example, because as Christians now, we are to cultivate... Uh, not too high an opinion of ourselves. In fact, the opposite. As we think like saved people, and what has the message of Romans been about salvation? Christ Jesus came into the world to save 
healthy, good, upright people. Oh, no. Christ came into the world to save sinners. A saved person begins his thought life. I mean, he begins his life as a Christian realizing he had nothing to offer God but sin. So as Paul calls for saved thinking, he models it in his own life. And I suggest to you that Christian maturity, the more mature you become in Christ, the less you'll be occupied with yourself. And when you do think of yourself, you will have more self-distrust as you grow in the Lord. Uh, You can see that in Paul's life. And I'll give you three verses that I think illustrate this in the life of Paul. Early on in his life of ministry, and not too early on. He didn't start writing letters until he'd been ministering for some time. But 1 Corinthians is one of his early letters. And in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 9, he calls himself the least of all the apostles. He says, I'm not fit to be called an apostle. Now today we'd say, oh, yes, you are, Paul. (laughs) Don't talk so tough on yourself. But Paul said, I'm the least of all the apostles. 1 Corinthians 15, 9. But when you think about that, uh, you could be the least of the apostles and you'd still be in the top what? Well, you'd be in the top 10, you know, 12, whatever. <laughs> I don't think he was thinking that. But you could say that. You get later on when he's in jail and writing the prison epistles and he writes to the Ephesians sometime later in his Christian experience. And he says, to me, the least of all, and he doesn't say the apostles. He says, the least of all the saints. This grace was given that I might make known Christ. The unfathomable riches of Christ. To me, the least of all Christians. Ephesians 3, verse 8. So some years later, he calls himself the least of all the Christians. And toward the very end of his Christian experience here on earth... When he's writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, verse 15, he says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am the worst. I am the foremost of all. He notched down, he ratcheted down. And I suppose one could say those were just offhanded comments, and certainly he could say any one of those three at any time in his experience. But it's interesting to me that toward the end of his life, he called himself not the least of the apostles, not the least of Christians, but the worst of sinners that Christ died for. And I've seen that in mature Christians. I've seen it even on their deathbed. I've seen them say, And just in self-deprecating language of sincerity. I mean, they're not pulling anybody's leg at this point. They're not trying to impress the preacher. Just saying, I am nothing. He is everything. And they'll point my attention to Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, that's the healthy thing to do. And, uh, you know, before we leave this, because I see this is so crucial, and Paul begins right here in introducing his next topic, which he really wants to tell us how to specifically serve Christ, how to, how to put ourselves at his disposal. Uh, he begins with this warning, and I think it's valuable that we remember that he ties it in here. And uh, how is it that we can be devoted to Christ? How can we serve God? He says, well, don't think too highly of yourself. You know, this has been something that Christians have seen and taught all the way through. Augustine, way back, what, in the 4th century? Augustine, uh, in his classic, The City of God, here's what he wrote. Two cities have been formed by two loves. 
the earthly by the love of self, even to the contempt of God. The heavenly has been built by the love of God, even to the contempt of self. He said there's two ways of thinking. There's two cities being built. There's two kingdoms being erected. One, the earthly, by the love of self, even to the contempt of God. And the other, by the love of God, even to the contempt of self. He goes on, the former, in a word, glories in itself. The latter, in the Lord. Oh, I'll tell you, I don't think it's any different today. And you say, well, is that just a Christian take? Is he just a theologian? No, turn over to 2 Timothy for just a moment. Look at 2 Timothy. This is right out of the New Testament. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Realize this, he says, that in the last days, and we live in them, and I'm not stating anything about a calendar or timetable when I say that, we live in the last days, this whole era from when Jesus Christ returned to heaven and sent his Holy Spirit until he returns. These are the last days, okay? He says, during this time period, in these last days, difficult times will come. Times of particular pressure will come. Why? For men will be lovers of self. Lovers of self. And just skip over the next two verses there and get the thought. Men will be lovers of self, down to verse 4, rather than lovers of God. He says there's going to be particularly tough seasons, and we live in one. This whole latter half of the 20th century, and as we begin the 21st century, there's no question about it. We're in the last days, and we're in a particularly difficult time to be a Christian, to be a real disciple of Christ, because men are lovers of self rather than lovers of God. And, of course, when men are lovers of self, when a culture becomes occupied with self, as ours has, why, other loves follow right with it. Notice verse 2. Men will be lovers of self, lovers of money. Of course, we don't have any problem with that today. (laughs) Now, whenever self takes front and center, why then materialism and love of money begins to get hold of people's hearts and uh, look at the end of verse 4, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And you could hardly find a more accurate description of our culture. And sadly, those who call themselves Christians. I mean, verse 5, he's describing something that goes by the name of godliness, holding to a form of godliness, although they've denied its power. He says, avoid that sort of thing. Love of self, love of money, Love of pleasure. That's almost the byword. When I talk to people, when we just communicate offhandedly what we're really looking for in life, love of pleasure. What do I want out of life? What makes me happy? Love of self. Love of things. Love of money and what it can buy. That characterizes our day. Rather than, in contrast to, love of God. And of course... You don't have to look too far. In fact, read the rest of those verses now. As I said, skip over them, listen to them. And they describe a culture given over to love of self rather than love of God. Men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, 
irreconcilable. You know, I, I hear people, don't you, when the newspaper comes out with the gruesome headlines and back page details of what's going on in our culture, people say, what's going on? Why? What causes that? How old was that kid who did that or whatever? And they just scratch their head They, as Second Timothy is being lived out. Unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited. Love is a pleasure rather than lovers of God. You see, the heart issue is crucial. And we are to give our love and our heart and our mind holy to God. And he says, don't think about yourself too much. Don't think too much of yourself. Think about me. I urge you, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice and give your mind to me. Think rightly. Now, with that in mind, he introduces, let me read the the text in context now, back in Romans 12. Think so as to have sound thinking, saved judgment, saved thinking, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members don't have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each exercise them accordingly, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, and he who teaches in his teaching, he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now, watch what he does here and keep this... Uh, the connection in mind. First, he calls for worship of Christ. He says, in light of what Christ has done for you, present yourself to him. It's the only rational thing to do. It's your spiritual service of worship. Then he calls for service to Christ. Worship of Christ and service for Christ. They go hand in hand, devotion to Christ, service of Christ. Verse 1 and 2 lead naturally to verses 3 through 8 and following. Now, uh, it's common, and it's sad, but it, it's common, and I must uh, point it out, that there are many Christians who try to have one without the other. A lot of Christians talk a lot about devotion to Christ and manifest very little service of Christ. There's something wrong there. It just doesn't add up. And conversely, it's sad when you see Christians who are busy serving Christ, it seems, and yet they manifest very little devotion to Christ, very little real heart for Christ. And if you, you know, somebody says, well, who are you talking about? Well, if the shoe fits, wear it, (laughs) you know. If you sense as I say it, that you're one who talks a good game, you talk about your devotion to Christ, but when it comes to service, when it comes to really doing much about it, well, I went to church. What more do you want? I mean, how many times a week do you want me to go? If that's kind of the tone, then you, you know, I don't have to tell you anything more. You know in your heart that just doesn't add up to say how much you love Christ, but you don't want to use your life for Him. You don't want to use your gifts for Him. You don't want to use your money for Him. You want to use your time, your money, 
for yourself, after all. It's yours. We'll give him his 10% or whatever, but mainly it's you. Well, that just isn't right. It doesn't add up, and you're uncomfortable with it, even as I mention it. On the other hand, it's easy, and some Christians do, get occupied with service and think that the Christian life is just all there is, and they don't really manifest that love of Christ. Keep these two in a healthy balance. Where verse 1 is true, verse 3 and following will be true. Where one is presented to Christ as a living and holy sacrifice, one will be actively using his gift or gifts, her gift or gifts, to serve Christ. And where there is a healthy service of Christ, there will be a love of Christ and a devotion to Christ. They go together. So uh, one reason I keep wanting to read verse 1 and following with this is because they're, they're meant to be seen. I mean, you know, we've been at it this for weeks because there's so much to see here. But don't forget the connection. Sometimes even go back when you read this uh, this week. Maybe go back and read verse 33 of 11. Read the end of chapter 11 and let it flow into chapter 12. Listen, from God came everything. I urge you in light of that, give yourself to him and serve him. Use your abilities to serve him. Now, verses 3 and following, he moves from the general to the specific. In other words, generally speaking, every Christian's responsibility is the same. Yours is exactly the same as mine, exactly the same as the Apostle Paul's. Generally speaking, I am to what? Present my life to Christ. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. So are you. If you're a Christian, you and I are to have identical devotion to Him. We're His. But specifically... It will work itself out quite differently because there are no two Christians alike. We have been gifted differently. And so specifically, there will be quite different, even I would use the term unique. And I use that carefully, but I mean it. Uh, because there's no two Christians identical, even though they might have the same gift. There might be two people with the gift of service. They won't serve in identical Ways we are uniquely fit for our place, not only in this congregation, but in the body of Christ. There's no one like you. There's no one like me. Thank the Lord, huh? I mean, you know, you think about it. He uniquely fit us for our particular role. Another way of looking at it, tying in verse 2, 1 and 2 again. The will of God, the perfect, pleasing, good, will of God will be identical for every Christian as to holy living, as to devotion to Christ. That's His will for all of us. You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, One Body, Many Members, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called, A Brief Exposition of Romans. 
It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us in person for our Sunday worship services at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at the church located at the corner of Southwest Murray and Weir Road in Beaverton. You can go to our website at swbible.org for more details. We hope to see you there. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. If you've been sitting on the sidelines, maybe even saying, I don't know what my gift is. The Bible doesn't say, find out your gift. It says, serve. Nothing will so invigorate your Christian life as getting involved in serving one another, ministering outward. Don't seek to be served. Don't sit in a church and say, what am I getting out of this? What am I, what's this doing for me and mine? Which is the American way of thinking. I mean, it's the natural man's way of thinking. Self-centered. No, think, what can I give to this church? What can I give to this body of believers? What can I give to Christ the head? Emulate your Savior in giving, in serving, in loving. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part two of the message titled, One Body, Many Members. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.